ಮೈ physical shape but i hope that i'll be able to uh give you some understanding of shila prabhupad to deal with the topic he taught us how to conquer death that's what shila prabhupad taught us three zone example Srila Prabhupada was the perfect example in, rela- in relation to Haridas Thakur, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu mentioned that while you preach, prachar, you do prachar, you do preaching, but at the same time you act to, to indicate, to show people how to practice this process of krishna consciousness and yes shila prabhupada taught us how to become a perfect devotee perfectly surrendered to krishna and like as i told the other day day before yesterday when i was speaking that i came to krishna consciousness quite late i came at a time when shila prabhupada had more than 10000 followers and 6000 initiated disciples so you can well imagine how everyone was dying to meet shila prabhupada and as a result of that shila prabhupada senior devotees senior disciples senior leaders of our movement had to protect Srila Prabhupada, right? Be very careful who would be able to come near him, who would be able to. And for some reason, by Krishna's mercy, due to some good fortune, I actually had the good fortune to come quite close to Srila Prabhupada. And that happened because during my first meeting with Srila Prabhupada, he asked me to translate his books into bengali and that actually created my good fortune and i had access to shri prabhupad with that excuse that i have to show what i translated and because prabhupad was very particular about bengali translation because all the books were 
in Bengali. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's all the literatures are available in Bengali. So his translating in Bengali had to be very, very up to the quality, up to the ex expectation, up to the standard. So when I used to translate Srila Prabhupada, I used to take it to Srila Prabhupada and Srila Prabhupada used to guide me, correct me, appreciate when I did something rightly. And then gradually Srila Prabhupada made me his secretary for Indian affairs and I moved into the room just next to Srila Prabhupada, Sri Tamar Maharaj, which was his secretary's room. So I had the opportunity to be with Srila Prabhupada all the time. And that was in Mayapur. From Mayapur, Srila Prabhupada went to Bombay. And in Bombay, I had the good fortune of even cooking for Srila Prabhupada. And that gave me some more service, more uh, opportunity to get more close to Srila Prabhupada. And, and as it is, I was with Srila Prabhupada all the time. Now, when Srila Prabhupada was in Bombay, Prabhupada's health condition was not so good. Actually, Srila Prabhupada's health condition deteriorated, started to deteriorate, deteriorate when Srila Prabhupada was in Mayapur. Like, and so when he went to Bombay, his health condition continued the same way. And then one day, two very important persons came to meet Srila Prabhupada. They were quite close to Srila Prabhupada and from time to time they used to come and see Srila Prabhupada, although they didn't stay in Bombay. But whenever they came to Bombay, they met Srila Prabhupada. So this person, these two persons were uh, Mr. Sriman Narayan. He was the ex-governor of Madras and his brother-in-law Ram Krishna Bajaj, he was the head of the Bajaj industries that manufacture scooters and uh, motor vehicles and things. They were two very important persons actually, but they were very close to Srila Prabhupada, very appreciative of Srila Prabhupada. And so they came to see Srila Prabhupada and when they saw that Srila Prabhupada's health condition was not so good, they suggested that Prabhupada went on a on a change, meaning change of weather, change of environment, change of location. And while they were discussing, because they felt that by going to a different place, Srila Prabhupada's health will improve. And when they mentioned about Rishikesh, Prabhupada liked that idea. Prabhupada said he never went to Rishikesh. So he liked the idea of going to Rishikesh. And Rishikesh is actually at the foothills of the Himalayas. And very beautiful place on the bank of the Ganges. And it's one of the important places of pilgrimage. So <clears throat> when Prabhupada mentioned that he was uh, willing to go to Rishikesh, then these persons made the arrangement for Srila Prabhupada. They made the arrangement in the best house in Rishikesh, right on the bank of the Ganges, a two-story building. And very beautiful, obviously belonged to some very wealthy person. 
and few of us, four of us traveled with Srila Prabhupada. Kamal Krishna Maharaj, uh, Kupendra Prabhu, Kamal Krishna Maharaj's servant, Goridas Prabhu, and myself. Four of us traveled with Srila Prabhupada from Bombay to Delhi. And then from Delhi, we drove to Rishikesh. And anyway, Srila Prabhupada liked the idea, and mostly all of us liked the place very much. It was the Ganges on the bank of the Ganges, and the Ganges is very different there. It's not so wide, but very strong current. It's right coming right after the Himalayan mountain. And it's, that's where it's touching the plain land. And, uh, <clears throat> but I used to cook for Srila Prabhupada at the time. So they used to go uh, sporting in the Ganges, swimming in the Ganges. And while I was cooking for Srila Prabhupada, but after cooking, I used to serve the prasad to Srila Prabhupada. And then I also used to join them. And so this is how you're having a beautiful time in Rishikesh. Then one day, all of a sudden, a huge storm hit Rishikesh. It was unbelievable. All this while, the weather was so beautiful, bright sunshine. And because it was at the foothills of Himalaya, although it was midsummer, but it was very, very pleasant. And Ganga was like so refreshing. The Ganga water, I mean, you can see it's really nectar because as soon as you take a dip in Ganga, you literally feel rejuvenated. And the cold water is so pure, so beautiful. So, <clears throat> but then all of a sudden the weather turned. It was incredibly powerful storm. And along with that came torrents of rain. And, and there was no electricity because the electric poles got, got uprooted. So the electric line, electric supply got interrupted. So it was dark. And especially at night, you used to feel the dark influence of that place. And, you know, like when it rains and you know, like you can hear the sound of the wind raging actually and so first day two days it continued like that storm and rain and then at night when it continued like that Srila Prabhupada that time actually the storm stopped and rain also stopped and at night, I used to be with Srila Prabhupada. Actually, one of us used to be with Srila Prabhupada all the time and stay awake because just in case Prabhupada needed us. So my shift was from 12 to 2. And so I was attending Srila Prabhupada. Prabhupada was lying in bed. Then Prabhupada called me. So I lifted the mosquito net and leaned. Srila Prabhupada. And then Prabhupada said, the time has come for me to leave the body. 
I want to leave my body in Vrindavan. Please take me to Vrindavan immediately. I mean, you can well imagine my condition, you know, like when Prabhupada started to speak like that, I just literally started to shake all over. And I just ran downstairs and woke up Tamal Krishna and told him what Prabhupada told me. And Tamal Krishna Maharaj also jumped out of his bed and ran upstairs. And he, Prabhupada told him the same thing. The time has come for me to leave my body. I want to leave my body in Vrindavan. So please take me to Vrindavan immediately. So that night only we packed everything. None of us spoke, just silently packed everything. Prabhupada's things first and then our things. And then we went to Vrindavan in the morning. I'm sorry, <clears throat> first we stopped in Delhi for the night. And the next morning, we left for Vrindavan. So when we arrived in Vrindavan, all of a sudden the devotees got the news that Prabhupada was coming. So they all were ecstatic that Prabhupada was coming. So you can well imagine the ecstasy that was prevailing there. And, but then Prabhupada mentioned why came. After the darshan of the deities, Prabhupada walked to his room, all the devotees followed him, chanting Kirtan, and they came to the room, and there Prabhupada mentioned when he came, and they, I mean, that was something, like, they were so ecstatic, and the, all of a sudden, the whole scene changed and they just started to cry. They just broke down crying. And Prabhupada started to explain how, how death is inevitable for everyone. And he quoted that verse, Dehi Nashmin like this body changes from childhood to youth. Komaram, Jovanam, Jara. Then eventually it becomes old. And then Tatha Dehantara Praptir. The, deha, the body changes, but Dehi Na, Dehi Na, the Dehi, the owner of the body, doesn't change. The body changes from childhood to youth to old age. The body is continuously changing. And we visibly notice that. But whose body is changing? The soul's body. Soul is the proprietor of the body. And the soul is immortal. And in this way, 
Prof, I just explained that how <clears throat> he, you know, we have to accept that all of us at some point, someday, sooner or later, have to leave our bodies. But Dhira Statra Dhira, one who is situated in knowledge, one who has become steady receiving this knowledge, he doesn't become bewildered. He doesn't become overwhelmed. It was such a beautiful, beautiful lecture or beautiful words of wisdom from Srila Prabhupada. But still, everyone was feeling heavy and they all left Prabhupada's room. When everyone left the room, Prabhupada called me and he told me to stop cooking for him. And he told me, from now on, you don't cook for me. What's the use of cooking? when there is no appetite. And he told me not to cook for him and not to force him to eat. Don't cook for me and don't force me to eat. What's the point in eating when there is no appetite? So when Prabhupada spoke like that, I could, I could realize that this is how Prabhupada was going to leave his body. He, He'll stop eating, just like Parikshit Maharaj. He'll stop eating, he'll stop drinking. And this is how he would leave his body. When we stopped in Delhi, Tamar Krishna Maharaj called up, called uh, the GBC there. <clears throat> uh, anyway, the name is not coming right now. So he told him to inform everybody that that Prabhupada is going to Vrindavan to leave his body. And so the news spread and the devotees came. And when the devotees arrived in Vrindavan, they had a meeting. And in that meeting, they decided that Prabhupada is a pure devotee of Krishna. And if Prabhupada wanted something, then Krishna will fulfill his desire. So, so, and also they mentioned that we are so young in, a, in Krishna consciousness. And if you leave us, what will happen to us? We'll become orphans. And so collectively they came to Prabhupada's room and they, uh, they presented it to Srila Prabhupada. I was not there in that meeting. Tamar Krishna Maharaj was there, so I had to be with Srila Prabhupada. So I was in Prabhupada's room. So I heard that later on, what actually happened. And when they came, they presented it to Srila Prabhupada. And then Prabhupada just accepted that. He said, if 
that's what you want, then you can pray to Krishna. Krishna, if you so desire, then please let Prashna Prabhupada stay with us. And <clears throat> Prabhupada, when Prabhupada accepted, I used to have a glass of fruit juice freshly made for and just with an expectation that if someday something Shri Prabhupada wanted to drink something, he, he didn't want to eat anything, but at least if he wanted to drink something, then so I was having some juice ready and I remember I had a glass of pomegranate juice ready next to the table and next to Prabhupada's bed on a table. So I just reached out and gave it to Srila Prabhupada. And Srila Prabhupada drank it. And I didn't wait for, you know, Prabhupada's permission to ask or Prabhupada's permission to cook. I just went straight to the kitchen and started to cook for Srila Prabhupada. And then I served Srila Prabhupada. And Prabhupada tried, you know, accepted it, like sitting on his bed, I put a table, a small table, put the plate there and Prabhupada tried to eat. And I could see, like as Prabhupada said, what's the point in eating when there is no appetite? I could see that Prabhupada didn't have any. But then gradually Prabhupada started to eat. On the second or third day, Srila Prabhupada took some prasad. And <clears throat> Prabhupada asked me, do you know where is Gopinath Bazaar? So I told Prabhupada, this is my first time in Vrindavan. I don't know any place here. And I didn't even step out of the temple premises. But tell me what you want. Vrindavan is a small place. I can find out where is Gopinath Bazaar. Then Prabhupada said, go to Gopinath Bazaar. And there is an Ayurvedic doctor. His name is Banamali Kaviraj. So, you tell him about me, he knows me, and you tell him that I wanted him to treat me. So I went and it was not difficult to find him. I saw in a small little uh, room, which was his uh, pharmacy or you know clinic or whatever you want to call it, like small little room behind a table, a very old man was sitting. Prabhupada was old, but this person was much older than Srila Prabhupada. And he was quite frail, small, thin, frail. So when I told him about Prabhupada, he recognized Srila Prabhupada from early days. And when, but when I told him that Prabhupada wanted him to treat him, then he said, in that case, Prabhupada have to come here. And I told him that Prabhupada is not in a position to come, to travel. So, uh, and I said, you please come. And he said, look, I just come to this chamber to treat some patients. And then I go to my room, my, room, my house. And this, this is where, you know, the limitation of my movement. But I begged him and begged him and finally he agreed to come. And so I took him in a rickshaw 
And I could see that the rickshaw ride was quite painful for him because Brindavan roads are not smooth. It's quite bouncy, quite rocky and full of potholes. He came to see Srila Prabhupada and check Srila Prabhupada. And then after checking Srila Prabhupada, he told me that, see, there is one problem. The medicine that I would give him has to be freshly prepared. So I told him, please, we'll make arrangement for you to stay here. So why don't you stay here? In our guest house, we'll make arrangements. So <clears throat> he then, he said, declined. No, I can't stay here. I have to go home. So then I finally told him, then why don't you show me how to make that medicine? I will serve. And so he accepted that. So he took me to the field and he showed me two, two leaves, two plants. One is called Pathar Kuchi and the other is called Punar Naga. And so he showed me the plant and he picked the leaves and took it to Prabhupada's kitchen and he crushed them, made the juice extract and then he added some two salts one was white and the other was pink and so he demonstrated to Prabhupada. and this is how he started to treat Prabhupada. and he wanted me to give that medicine three times a day and Prabhupada's condition started to improve from that and when Prabhupada's health condition improved, Prabhupada wanted to go to the West. His plan was from India, he would go to London. From London, he would go to New York, New York to Gitanagari, Gitanagari to Los Angeles, and from Los Angeles, he would go to Hawaii. <clears throat> so, so this is the thing, like Prabhupada, you see, he decided to leave his body and come to Vrindavan. But when his health condition improved, he didn't just want to lie in bed. Prabhupada also mentioned once that a warrior doesn't die on bed. It's not glorious for a warrior to die on bed. The glory of a warrior is to die in the battlefield. And for Prabhupada, the field for preaching was his battlefield. Later on, one of Prabhupada's very intimate godbrothers, Srila Sridhar Maharaj, told me, Prabhupada actually wrote to him, what if he left his body away from India? And Sridhar Maharaj's reply was, that wherever you are, that is Vrindavan. Whether you leave your body in Vrindavan or in the outside of Vrindavan, outside of India, doesn't matter. Wherever you are, that is Vrindavan because Krishna is there with you. So <clears throat> this is how Srila Prabhupada actually was showing like 
he he <clears throat> his health condition improved and he just wanted to leave and go to the west and preach because he felt that preaching in the west is what is needed india is he used to say 50% of the indians are krishna conscious and today we can see that in india krishna consciousness is expanding by itself and so but in the west there is a need to urge people motivate people guide people to become devotees of krishna and so prophet then decided to go to the west and but unfortunately when prophet arrived in london his health condition deteriorated <clears throat> Prabhupada had a minor operation and he decided to go back to India. When Prabhupada left for the West, I went back to Mayapur and one day I got a telegram from Tamar Krishnamaraj saying, Prabhupada wanted you to come to Vrindavan. So the next morning I took a flight and came to came to Delhi <clears throat> and came to Vrindavan in the evening. It, I was told that Prabhupada had some coughing and they have given him some expectorant cough medicine. And this cough medicine makes you sleep. And so Upendra Prabhu immediately took me to Prabhupada's room and he told me everything that Prabhupada had some, Prabhupada was coughing, he had some mucus. And he told what happened in London. And then at one point, Prabhupada was lying on his bed. It was semi-dark and Upendra and I were sitting far away towards the, next to the door actually to that room. And <clears throat> when Prabhupada woke up coughing, Upendra Prabhu went to Srila Prabhupada and he told him that I came. The Prabhupada wanted to see me immediately. So I just went to Srila Prabhupada. Prabhupada told me to help him sit up on the bed. So I helped Prabhupada to sit up and propped him up with some pillows. When I was helping him to sit up, I could see Prabhupada became so emaciated. And Prabhupada's body was already very, very emaciated, but now it was kind of, it's unbelievable, so emaciated. And I told Prabhupada, Prabhupada, you became so thin. And Prabhupada said, yes, now this body is just a bag of, a set of bones in a bag of skin. And it was literally like that, a set of bones and a bag of skin, as if there was no flesh in the body. And 
So that was Prabhupada's condition. And <clears throat> I went to Banamali Kavraj. The Banamali Kavraj already started to come and treat, but I went and met with him. And Banamali Kaviraj told me that, that his condition very, very bad. He said that I wish he didn't leave because Banamali Kaviraj told me that when he heard that Prabhupada was going to leave for the West, he said, please don't let him go. This medicine I'm giving, it's working. And when the winter comes, his health condition improved considerably. At that time, I'll give him a very strong, very effective um, tonic, Ayurvedic tonic called Mathmakara Taj. And the cold of the winter also will help him retain it. And that will rejuvenate. But he was, and I was also lamenting, why didn't I? When he told me not to let Prabhupada go, why didn't I insist? And actually that was the thing, like when Prabhupada decided to do something, nobody could stop him. What to speak of his disciples. We are not in a position at all to, to tell Srila Prabhupada what to do and what not to do. Anyway, so Prabhupada, Banuwali Kaviraj just said that my old medicine is not working, it's pointless treating him now. So he stopped treating. And, but the amazing thing is, although Prabhupada's health condition was so frail, but Prabhupada didn't stop translating. Prabhupada didn't stop advising the leading devotees how to manage effects of his gone. And so this is Prabhupada, like apparently his body was reduced to just a set of bone in a bag of skin. But he continued practically doing everything. Like the, these are recorded, all these conversations, most of them are recorded. And you can see Prabhupada was speaking, although his voice is faint, but his consciousness is so clear. And he was continuing to translation. I'm sure you have seen the video where one devotee used to hold the microphone in front of Srila Prabhupada's mouth and Upma uh, Pradumna Prabhu used to read the verses from Srimad Bhagavan from the 10th canto. And, and Prabhupada used to translate and give the purport, Bhaktivedanta purport. And when you read that, you will see that those are such amazing, amazing purports. Brahma Mohan Leela, Bewilderment of Lord Brahma. Such an amazing purport. So you can see Prabhupada was not in his body. Prabhupada was not functioning on the platform of his body. 
Prabhupada was performing from his pure spiritual identity. And seeing Srila Prabhupada, that became very clear. And so still, like we were trying to hope that Prabhupada's health condition would improve. And we are praying to Sri Krishna, Srimati Radharani. So one morning, Prabhupada mentioned that he had a dream that he saw a Ramanuja Kaviraj, a Kaviraj, meaning Ayurvedic doctor from Ramanuja Sampradaya, was making Makaradhaj for him. Makaradhaj is the medicine that Banamali Kaviraj wanted to give Srila Prabhupada in winter. And when Prabhupada's health condition was much better. But Prabhupada said that he saw an Ayurvedic Ramanujji Kaviraj was creating, making Makaradhaj for him. And we got an impression that if we can get a Ramanujji Kaviraj to make Makaradhaj, the Prabhupada's health condition will improve. So <clears throat> I went in search for a Ramanujji Kaviraj in Vrindavan. The first place I went, was the Sri Rangam temple in Vrindavan. So that is the center of the Ramanujji Sampradaya. There was no Ayurvedic doctor there. And I started to look around. And there's one person, Ramanujji Sampradaya. He said that he knows how to make Makaradhaj. So I didn't trust my decision. So I told Bhagavan Prabhu, to come. Actually, I consulted with Tamar Krishna Maharaj and Tamar Krishna Maharaj suggested that Bhagavan Prabhu and I go to meet that person. And Bhagavan Prabhu felt that this person is a fake. He was not like he was just wanting to take some money. Now, in the meantime, the, no the news spread that about Prabhupada's dream and in Calcutta, Adridharan Prabhu came across one Ayurvedic doctor. His name was Damodar Prashad Shastri, a man from Rajasthan. And so he was from Ramanuja Sampradaya. So when Adridharan Prabhu mentioned that, then he came, I mean, he brought this Ayurvedic doctor and so he came and in the meantime another thing happened actually so one devotee from delhi got this makaradhaj from somebody and so he brought the makaradhaj and uh, like it was given to Srila Prabhupada. It was given quite ceremonially, like finally got the Makaradhaj. One of our God brothers, uh, he gave Srila Prabhupada one golden spoon, a spoon made of pure gold. And so Tamal Krishna Maharaj gave that to Srila Prabhupada, the golden spoon. And <laughs> Prabhupada kind of joked, will the medicine have a special effect? 
if we take it in a golden spoon. <laughs> so anyway, Prabhupada took that medicine. He just took it once and he didn't want to take that medicine. And I very strongly feel that when Prabhupada spoke about poison, that is what actually happened. And Damodar Prashad actually confirmed it. He said that whoever gave this medicine, he made a big mistake without recognizing the condition of the patient. He gave this medicine, which is very, very strong. And anyway, so Damodar Prashad actually came to Vrindavan to prepare Makaradhaj for Srila Prabhupada, but he never spoke about Makaradhaj. He was actually concerned how to improve Srila Prabhupada's condition. And Adridharan Prabhu was staying in the same room with him. And he told me that at times at night you'd see Damodar Prashad is sitting on his bed and in dark. And when Adri asked, he said that he actually so concerned about Srila Prabhupada's condition. And <clears throat> anyway, so then Prabhupada's condition uh, did not, I mean, Prabhupada's condition actually deteriorated even further. Prabhupada started to feel very uneasy. He got some in and chest burn and such thing. Damana Prashad was trying to treat Srila Prabhupada. And, and at, it's around that time Prabhupada actually spoke about poison. You all may have heard about it, that's why I just wanted to clarify to you all. One day, one Gauriya Vaishnava, Bengali Gauriya Vaishnava, quite young, came to Prabhupada and he came to ask for some donation from Srila Prabhupada because he was building a temple. So Prabhupada told Tamar Krishna Maharaj to give him some money. And so then the person was there and to him Prabhupada was saying about poison as if he had been poisoned. And now he was the person whom we never seen and Prabhupada also barely, barely knew him. Maybe early days we have met him once or twice. But Prabhupada's intimate associate in Vrindavan was Bhagatji, one local Vaishnava. And Prabhupada was very close to him. Bhagatji used to come every day, two, three times, especially at night he would give a massage to Srila Prabhupada. And if Prabhupada felt that it was such a serious thing, then he would have told Bhagatji or, you know, like Tamar Krishna Maharaj or other devotees who were close to him. But Prabhupada didn't tell anything to anybody, only to this person. And it actually shocked us because he, there was Prabhupada was speaking to him in Bengali. And I was the one who understood and I was the one who translated it to Ramakrishna. We all were shocked to hear that. 
And then Thomas Krishna Maharaj at one point asked him whether Prabhupada felt that he has been poisoned. And Prabhupada said, no, I'm just talking like that. Which he meant that when somebody feels such pain, he feels like as if he has been poisoned, not that he has been poisoned. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that also to you all because either you may have heard about it or you will, you may hear about it in the future. So this is the reality. At that time, everyone was praying to Krishna that Prabhupada would continue to stay. Everyone was hoping against hope that some miracle would happen and Prabhupada would continue to live. And <clears throat> Then one day, Loknath Maharaj came to Vrindavan. And he just came back from a tour of Himalaya with a group of devotees. And he was, he was telling Prabhupada that he went all the way to Badrinath. In Badrinath, in Vasudev's cave, there's a, in Badrinath, there's a cave where Vasudev is still present. And he offered Prabhupada's books there. And then he went further up. And then he mentioned that he went to the place where Bhima left his body. You know, like when the Pandavas got the news that, that Krishna left this planet, Yudhishthir Maharaj considered now was the point in staying in this planet anymore. So he just left his kingdom, gave his gave the responsibility to Parikshit Maharaj, and he left home. And then all the four other brothers and Draupadi also left with him. And they left for Mahaprasthan, great departure. They kept on walking and walking and walking without stopping, without eating, without drinking. And the first one was Draupadi to fall. Then Sahadev, then Nakul, then Arjun. And Bhim walked all the way up to Bhim and Yudhishthi were the final two ones all the way up to Badrinath, it's high up in the mountains. And there Bhima left his body. And Yudhishthi Maharaj continued. Yudhishthi Maharaj didn't leave his body. The chariot came for him. Anyway, so when Dokanath Maharaj was speaking like that, at one time Srila Prabhupada told him that you uh, have experience in taking bullock cart. So I want to do Parikrama Vrindavan in bullock cart. So you make the arrangement. Now I just put two and two together. As soon as Prabhupada heard about, or soon after Prabhupada heard about Bhima leaving his body in Mahaprasthan, now Prabhupada is talking about uh, Parikrama Vrindavan in Bullock Heart. I mean, Prabhupada's health condition was not at all prepared for that. And 
so I felt that Prabhupada is now going to leave his body in this way. In Bullock Cart, he would go out in Parikrama. And so I went and told Tamar Krishna Maharaj. And I was expecting that Tamar Krishna Maharaj would say something. And, but he didn't. Tamar Krishna Maharaj didn't say anything. Bhavananda Maharaj didn't say anything. And I was becoming very, very restless, impatient. And at one point, the devotees were planning around. Uh, devotees were standing around Srila Prabhupada. They were making the plans how they would take Prabhupada in the bullock cart parikrama. And, and then they were saying that at, at night they will stop and make a tent for Prabhupada under a tree. And Prabhupada would spend the night there. I couldn't retain myself, contain myself. I just got it out. Do you know that Prabhupada can't even turn to his side? If we are not careful while we are helping him to turn to his side, because he used to get tired lying on his back all the time. And if we are not careful, then he would feel pain. And you are planning to take him in a bullock cart right through the Vrindavan roads. And you are planning to have him stay in, under a tree in a tent. Even in the room, in spite of the heater and two blankets, Prabhupada feels cold. Vrindavan at that time was quite cold, actually. And then everyone stopped. Everyone became silent. Then Prabhupada mentioned that, okay, I'll ask Babaji Maharaj. Srila Krishnadas Babaji Maharaj was a very close associate of Srila Prabhupada, an intimate friend. So I thought that that's a hope, that I will tell Babaji Maharaj what's happening. And probably he could stop Srila Prabhupada from going. And so Babaji Maharaj was supposed to come in the evening. And I went to the kitchen to get something for Srila Prabhupada. And when I came back, then I saw that Babaji Maharaj is already there, sitting on a chair next to Srila Prabhupada's bed. And they were making plans to go out on that Bulakat Parikrama Vrindavan. So my last hope was gone. So I got an idea. I went to the kitchen, made a plate of fruits and came to Srila Prabhupada and said, Prabhupada, I made some prasad for Babaji Maharaj. So Prabhupada said, okay, bring it here. So I said, no, Prabhupada, I kept it in the room next, next room. So Prabhupada told Babaji Maharaj, so please go and take some prasad. So when Babaji Maharaj was taking the prasad, I told Babaji Maharaj everything about Loknath Maharaj telling about Bhim's Mahaprasthan, Prabhupada telling about Bulakat Parikrama, and there's no way Prabhupada can actually sustain that, that condition. So Babaji Maharaj then said, then he shouldn't go. I said, yes, Babaji Maharaj, you are the only one who can convince him not to go. 
Baba Ji Maharaj was so humble. He said, me? How can I tell you? <laughs> I said, Baba Ji Maharaj, you are our last hope. You so you can well imagine, we are not in a position to tell Shiva Prabhupada. And so then Baba Ji Maharaj got up, washed his hands, walked straight up to Prabhupada's room, and just said, I heard everything, and you cannot go. And then Babaji Prashila Prabhupada said, okay, if you don't want me to go, then I won't go. <laughs> I immediately ran to give the news to Tawan Krishna Maharaj. And we were staying in the guest house. So as I was climbing up the stairs, up the st in the guest house, I saw Tawan Krishna Maharaj and Babananda Maharaj were coming down. And I told them, and they were actually becoming, they became so, so, I mean, they couldn't, they're actually planning that at night, Bhakti Sarup Damodar Maharaj would come to attend Srila Prabhupada. So at that time when no one would be around, they would come and tell Prabhupada not to go. But they couldn't wait till that. They became so restless. So they are just rushing down the stairs. And so I told them and we all ran into Prabhupada's room. And <clears throat> Tamal Krishna Maharaj just, he just spoke up like Prabhupada, you put us in such acute anxiety. We do not know what to do. And and then Prabhupada turned towards Babaji Maharaj and told him, see how much they love me. And then he started to speak about Bhavananda Prabhu. Like in Mayapur, the Muslims attacked the temple and Bhavananda took the gun. <laughs> that was a, uh, uh, not a powerful single barrel gun, you may say, what's it called? I mean, many things go out from uh, shotgun actually and so few of the Muslims are injured and the police came and arrested some devotees and they arrested and took them to Navadip and made them walk through the streets with uh, them chained up it was so humiliating and while speaking like that Prabhupada just started to cry. And so this is how Srila Prabhupada's desire to go to Parikrama did not happen. And that's still a controversy, like maybe you should have let Prabhupada go. But you see, those of us who are serving Srila Prabhupada couldn't could not let him go and leave his body in such a condition. It's like doing in a bullock cart in that road full of rocks and potholes. And then, as you know, after Govardhan Puja, Srila Prabhupada one day, one morning, Damanda Prashad, the Ayurvedic doctor from Calcutta, 
He told me that Prabhupada didn't pass any urine. And if he doesn't pass any urine, then he'll leave his body within 14 hours. And so I told Tamar Krishna Maharaj, and he also mentioned that the only way that we can do is make him pass by putting a catheter. So we had a meeting in the room next to Prabhupada and all of them. Leading disciples of Srila Prabhupada were there and Pramod Krishna Maharaj asked one after another. And Prabhupada actually mentioned that nothing should pierce his body, not even a needle. And we felt that, you know, catheter penetrating his body would not be right. And so when it was decided then that we won't do that, we knew that now Prabhupada is going to leave his body. That was soon after the Mangalaratik, around quarter past five. And Namanda Prashad said that Prabhupada has about 14 hours. And we can see how accurate his statement was. The, we opened up all the doors. Now Prabhupada's room was completely locked. Only a very few devotees were allowed to come to chant for Srila Prabhupada. That also very softly. And those who sung, chanted nicely, only they were allowed to come in. And because many, many devotees were there at the time of Vrindavan. And so Prabhupada, <clears throat> we opened the door. The devotees filled in the room. Those who could not come in, they started to watch from the French window next to in Prabhupada's room. And I do not know how the time went. So all the time I was by Prabhupada's bedside on the head. And I don't know how the, that 14 hours went by. I didn't feel any urge to to even attend to nature's call. And I was giving Jamuna water in Prabhupada's mouth at that time. And then at around quarter past seven, <clears throat> Damanda Prashad mentioned that Prabhupada is not breathing. So I said, please check. So he took a cotton and placed it in front of Prabhupada's nose. It was not moving. I said, please use the stethoscope. And the whole Krishna said, he just told me, let him go. Don't call him back. Don't pull him down. Let him go. But by the time everybody understood what happened, I remember there was one of our God brothers. He just started to cry loudly. He was the first one to start crying. Proper sister Pishima was there sitting just next to Prabhupada's bed. And Pishima's 
there was no expression on his on her face just tears started to flow from her eyes as if a water pot just broke and devotees started to chant before that year <clears throat> one thing i also like to mention baba ji maharaj prabhupad was opening his mouth from time to time and now he's pouring water baba ji maharaj said see he's still chanting we couldn't hear anything but baba ji maharaj noticed that his tongue was vibrating so that's how he could see that prabhupad still chanting and in this way proper left his body and that night we took proper to his vasasan in the temple room throughout the night there was a kirtan devotees chanted kirtan actually that night only some devotees thought i don't know who decided to Uh, put proper in samadhi that night only but the news reached the vrindavan other temples in vrindavan and the prominent temple heads sent a message that please have proper come and give darshan to all the deities in the temples of vrindavan they didn't say that let proper come and have darshan they actually send a message that let all the deities of vrindavan have the darshan of shri prabhu and we did that we took a parikrama and then prabhu was brought to the temple yeah and this is how prabhu entered into his samadhi and we can see like till the last moment proper was completely krishna conscious his absorption was only at krishna's lotus feet that was his only thought and the last drop of his energy he just used in serving krishna translating shrimad bhagavatam in that condition what to speak of holding the microphone with his own hand he didn't even have the strength to turn to his side we had to actually help him to turn him to his side and in that condition he just continued to give his bhakti vedanta purport and translate shrimad bhagavatam shila prabhupad ki jai नमों विष्णुपदा कृष्णपृष्ठा भूतले श्रीमते भक्तिवेदस्वामी नमस्ते सरस्वतीदेवे गौरवाणी प्रचारे निर्विशेष श्रीनवादी पश्चिता शील प्रभुपाद की जय